0: This is the Wesson Walker Show.
1: Even the crowd knows what's coming next.
0: It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We're with you until 3 p.m. Then it'll be the Kyle Bailey Show. Smoke Ludwig alongside Kyle Bailey, as always. And you can text us through the Garage Door Guru text line at 704-570-9610. Once again, it's 704-570-9610. We appreciate you joining us here today on Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. It's a little bit of a different start today because of the events that happened on on Monday Night Football just last night between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to scrap getting off of the bus. We'll still go along with Second Take Tuesday. We'll still go along and talk about the Charlotte Hornets game last night against the Lakers that saw them lose to LeBron James and company. But clearly, you have to start with what is such a heavy topic and watching Demar Hamlin collapse on Monday Night Football in front of everybody watching what was supposed to be a very interesting, a very intriguing matchup between two AFC powerhouses, and it became anything but that as we saw DeMar Hamlin last night. So with about five minutes and 30 seconds left to go in the first quarter, Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin, been starting a lot of games for them, tackled T. Higgins, he fell to the ground, he got up afterwards, and then he collapsed on the field just a second or two after he got right back up. Really scary situation in real time. And then you saw and you saw that was reported that CPR was being administered to Hamlin on the field for multiple minutes after he collapsed. Hamlin received oxygen. According to the ESPN broadcast, he was placed in an ambulance taken off of the field some 16 minutes after he collapsed. He was then driven to the nearby University of Cincinnati Medical Center. And according to the bills, as of right now, he's currently sedated. He's listed in critical condition. That has not changed for a while now. The University of Cincinnati Medical Center did not anticipate making any statement early Tuesday morning. So as of right now, we don't really have an update, Wes, on what had happened as far as Entering critical condition. We know that he's there as it stands currently. Haven't gotten an update um, in the last, I don't know, I mean, probably within the last few hours. And you have a lot of ESPN reporters on the scene right now. Elena Getzenberg, former writer of the Charlotte Observer, now covers the Buffalo Bills for ESPN. She's still in Cincinnati covering this story. You see her on ESPN. Still, we see Coley Harvey as we're watching television right now live from the medical center where you have people still in prayer, people certainly thinking and sending their best wishes as much as possible to the Hamlin family. It was a really scary scene last night, something you don't ever want to lead a show off with.
1: No, not at all. And so, you know, watching the game last night, I was excited about it. I was like, you know, this is a monster game. And, you know, there was so much on, I'm, I'm flipping back and forth. And I just happened to turn like right at the end when he was on the ground <clears throat> And you think that, you know, just watching football, you're used to moments like that where there's a guy out and he might get carted off or whatever the case may be. And you just move on business as usual. And then, you know, it just kept going on and on. And, and then they talked about administering CPR. And last night, the worst fears of of playing football were realized. Uh, all the things that people talk about when you decide to play this game, uh, all the things that people talk about while watching the game were realized uh, last night. And, you know, you hear a lot of cliches that guys say about putting their lives on the line and that they would die for the game and different things like that. And uh, we almost had that situation come to fruition last night. And, you know, I, I'm familiar with him as well because working for the ACC Digital Network, you know, I've cut up a lot of table, with DeMar Hamlin and, you know, he was a really good player at Pitt. And it's just so tragic on so many levels, uh, just the sobering fact of just how dangerous, you know, this game is. But just when you look at the humanity of it and the fact that, you know, his mom had to come down there and be in the ambulance with him and you know, watch her child laying on the ground like that. You can't, you, you can't put it into words, you know, and just, you know, I think about my mom and when she would come watch me play games and like she would not eat or she would tell me that her anxiety would be so bad before games, like she couldn't eat. Like all she would think about is just me getting through the game like, okay. and. Before I would play games, I, I would I would pray for my health and the safety of all the all the players involved because you just you you think about a situation like this and it was something we'd never seen before. And you saw the raw emotion from the players last night, the crying, the looks of fear, because many guys realize that you go out there thinking that, you know, it won't be you, but then you realize last night it could be you. And I think that was what a lot of the players were thinking. And, you know, this situation is just something that we've never witnessed. And I hope we never witness it again.
0: Yeah. And it's extremely scary. By the way, just want to clarify, we do have some people texting in that he is stable. And yes, that is true. It is not meaning that he is out of critical condition. He is in critical but stable condition, which is an important qualifier, but still very much so in critical condition and certainly not out of the woods yet. Hopefully we can get there as soon as possible. So, yeah, this is something that we've witnessed a little all too often in football, not the specific situation that happened with Demar Hamlin, but we've seen scary injuries before, and all we do is wait for a thumbs up from the player that is being on the stretcher, carried out of the stadium, and off of the field, and you're hoping for the best news possible, and you just never get it last night. That was really scary. When you see CPR administered... Everything stops. And Scott Van Pelt, who I want to talk about his coverage in SportsCenter with SVP last night, talk about their coverage a little bit more. I thought he put it very well. When you see the sense of urgency from medical professionals on both sidelines, rushing to Damar Hamlin's aid, trying to figure out what's wrong with him, and then boom, administering that aid as soon as possible, it, it sends a very scary message to everybody watching involved. And I hate that we have to discuss this and try to find some light in it because there is no light with the stable but critical condition that he is currently in right now. But we need good people telling these stories and watching what Scott Van Pelt, Ryan Clark, Lisa Salters, Coley Harvey, Ben Baby, even before that, when you have Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Lisa Salters on the sideline. Yeah, Booger McFarlane. Booger McFarlane, Adam Schefter, all these people – Different times, but also all very real time, being so good at their jobs covering it the way they did. I was in awe at Wes, and to not have really any information to go off of, all we could do is try to figure out what tweets were real on our timeline. And we got some, you know, we would get some updates here and there from whatever blue check mark you subscribe to as being genuine. We got some information from one of his best friends, a business partner with Damar Hamlin as well. We got as much information as possible, but you are putting on a Sports Center show. And the way that they were able to cover that, it was remarkable. The fact that you saw Coley Harvey, who develops a relationship with some of the players that he covers, like Stephon Diggs. Harvey is sitting there in front of the camera talking to Scott Van Pelt with dried tears streaming down his face and being as professional as you possibly could. Not too many times have I seen that before where you couldn't tell that there were any tears in his voice like you could with Lisa Salters who had just gone through the emotional instance of watching all of the players go to their knees in tears, you know, put the towels over their face because they didn't want to seem too vulnerable in front of the public at the time, because that's not what football players are supposed to do. They're not supposed to reveal any vulnerability. And that's all you saw from players on the sideline last night. Scott Van Pelt facilitating all of it ryan clark sharing a perspective that resonates with football players like yourself but also informs the hell out of the overwhelming majority of people who don't know at all what that's like whether you're in that situation DeMar hamlin's in or whether you're in the situation stefan diggs is in whether you're in the situation josh allen whatever teammate whatever opposition with cincinnati who also Came to the aid saying, hey, we're here for you because this is bigger than the game. This is bigger than opposition. This yeah. is a brotherhood that is the NFL. Wes, it's something you can speak to having played high-level football on a football team that included a bunch of your Wake Forest teammates playing in the Power Five.
1: Yeah, and the thing is to, you know, to Ryan Clark's points where he was just talking about, you know, him living his dream and what he was trying to accomplish and how now he was fighting for his life, man, and, and it's just another example As if we don't get enough of just how precious life is in general. I mean, you think about, you know, I think about the process in situations like this, like the routine of, of playing a game. He probably woke up that morning was excited about the game, ate his pregame meal, got himself hyped, listening to his favorite music. And he was probably just so excited for such a monumental game and then for it to to end that way. It's just like I said, you 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 hear all the stuff. I heard Bart Scott talking about how he keeps a couple of his helmets around. And I have a helmet in my house as well. And Those things are beat to hell. Yeah. And he was just talking about reading the warning on the back. And when it says it can cause sudden death. And you don't even like, it's like you think about it, you read it, but it's like, Okay, yeah, I know that this could happen, but is it really gonna happen? You know what I'm saying? Like that's how you look at it. You like, I know that this could happen on this field, but is it really gonna happen? And it, like I said, it, it's just really difficult to even try to put into words or fathom. And w- what happened? And you think about, like I said, the family, man, and 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 as a father too, it, it hit different. Just me saying, you know, just thinking about my mom, how she would be coming to my games, and you know, I get nervous. You know, watching my son play basketball, not that he'll get hurt, but you do worry about maybe some of the contact and things like that. So I just couldn't imagine that family and the the many layers and that mom having to be in that ambulance with her son and not knowing uh, if if he's going to make it, you know, just because of the danger of the game that he plays. And that's why I say all the time that one of the things I hate the most basically in life is when people call football a kid's game. Because it's anything but that. And I think we saw no greater example uh, of that than last night, man. And so, you know, like I said, you can't do anything but hope that, you know, he is going to come out of this okay. Whether he plays or not, that's an afterthought. You just hope that he is okay to be able to live his life. Because you don't go into a football game expecting to have to fight for your life. You might sprain an ankle. You might break a wrist. You might break an arm, tear ACL. But you don't expect to go into a game having to fight for your life. Like, we, we talk about that, you know, in the, the, the figurative sense. But literally, in a game, you don't want to have to be fighting for your life.
0: Yeah, and and we have a, a statement from Demar Hamlin's family uh, and it goes like this, quote, "On behalf of our family, we want to express our sincere gratitude for the love and support shown to Demar during this challenging time. We're deeply moved by the prayers, kind words, and donations from fans around the country going to a toy drive in the area which has raised over, I believe, 3 million dollars as of right now. The goal was 2500. 2500 was the goal." now they have raised over $3 million. It's absolutely unbelievable. They also want to acknowledge the dedicated first responders and healthcare professionals at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center who have provided exceptional care to DeMar. They feel so blessed to be part of the Buffalo Bills organization and to have the Bills support. They also want to thank coach Zach Taylor and the Bengals for everything they've done. They also express how the generosity and compassion, it means the world to them. Please keep DeMar in your prayers. They will release updates as soon as they have them. I believe we're all going to keep Demar Hamlin in our prayers, our thoughts, well wishes as much as we can possibly send. Everything good going to the Hamlin family and specifically Demar Hamlin. We'll try to give updates as much as we can as soon as we get them, whether it be through Twitter, whether it be through television with with us having SportsCenter on right now, a couple of different news outlets. So we'll be doing that throughout the show, and we'll also be moving on to some of the local topics that still rain um around carolina right now with steve wilkes second take tuesday we're going to get on with the show um but we are also going to talk a little bit more about Demar hamlin and provide updates as much as we possibly can as we go on you're listening to wes and walker sports radio 92 7 fm <laughs> It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Appreciate you joining us up until 3 o'clock again. Then we'll hand it off to the Kyle Bailey Show. And a big thanks to Charlotte Sports Live. Handing it off to us to start our 12-3 slot. It's Charlotte Sports works- Today. Charlotte Sports Today. Yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte Sports, Sports Live is, is going to be Will Kunkel's show. We're going to talk with Will Kunkel. I had CSL on the mind. So Charlotte Sports Today. Big thanks to Jeff Rickard hosting it alongside... Fiddy Marlowe, how was working overtime today?
2: You know, um, me, me and Jeff had a great time. We talked a lot of different things. I, I learned, though, the hardly how much I mean to you. Okay, how's Be- that? Because you never once bothered to come in here and, like, check up on me, ask me <laughs> if I needed anything, wow. talk about the show with me in, in, in person. You just, I mean, not once. I mean, Wes came in every break. You good big dog, you need anything?
0: Every break, huh?
2: And uh, where were you? To, you were nowhere to be found out here just waddling the hallways.
0: Well, it's funny because you, you mentioned how Wes was in here every break, and it's weird because I was with Wes a lot of those breaks doing pre-show stuff. So, yeah, apparently he does have a clone. Yeah. And if he has a clone, then I wouldn't put it past you, Fiddy, to have gone to the lab to create one because you love Wes so much, yeah. even if your relationship's been a little rocky recently. Now,
2: you see, <laughs> you're trying to make something that's nothing. Our relationship not
0: is, is fine. That's mm-hmm. right.
2: Even though we... We have couples a disagreement. have disagreement.
0: No, just yeah. because
2: we disagree about you know J C Horn being a shutdown corner yeah. or some other things. Him and I our are Boston
0: chicken sandwich. I mean, look, I was shivering at the rocky relationship you guys were exuding yesterday on air. It was jarring, to be honest with you. Really scared. Between, I just hope you guys are able to come out of this okay. And if so, then our show will be better for it. So did that's you That's right, we got just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. My headphones just went out and I thought you turned my mic off during that. <laughs> and I was like, "Really, Fiddy?" <laughs> <laughs> I that's looked, only when you're on your spew and bad takes, Walker. I, I, I know. So that's why you haven't done it before except once. The good news is I can control it, but I thought you were doing that mid-conversation talking about both of you, but really my headphones just went out. I was like, Fiddy, <laughs> oh, buddy, <laughs> testing my patience. We have to talk about something serious at the beginning, and then you want to start all this BS, and then here we are. This is this is Josh Fiddy Marlowe for you. You can text in to the Garage Door Guru text line. Oh, at 704 570 I wanted to get to a couple of these texts before we move on to Second Take Tuesday. There are a lot of plays I have in this game against Tampa, but I think it's important enough to bring this up, man. You know, Bud Lightyear writing in. I, sometimes I don't know what, whether to give these texts the light of day or not, but Bud Lightyear wrote in, the media types applauding themselves over a human scare like what happened is all caps so disingenuous. Man, this turned into a news story. That was not only sports related, even though it was highly sports related, but it was related in all facets where people are extremely interested if the guy might die that played football in front of you on Monday Night Football last night. Mm-hmm. So what happens is everybody is covering this story to the best of their ability, where you have somebody like Scott Van Pelt, who knows Stefan Diggs, who is crying over losing his brother in the game and hopefully not losing him in life. Like that's a very real fear that we have. He's in critical, but stable condition, which is better news than we originally received. But this is still an extremely serious situation. And so it hits a lot of people in the fields deservedly. So when you're Ryan Clark, Man, I don't know if there is a more appropriate guy to have in place to talk about exactly what happened on the football field. Somebody that was a heavy hitter as a strong safety. I mean, dude was as hard a hitter as there was in the NFL. Also, somebody that is extremely good about talk at talking about this stuff, who does an excellent job of relaying information that non-football players, like myself, raising my hand high, how I don't understand what it's like to be hit even with what seems like a normal play yeah. by T Higgins you know for, forget forget the hit stick type stuff that seemed like a normal play last night that sent DeMar Hamlin into cardiac arrest and we don't know the cause of it right so i don't want to speculate on that but we saw him drop and that was extremely scary yeah you damn right i'm going to applaud Ryan Clark for covering this story the way that he did because how many people are able to resonate with people who understand it and inform people who don't the way that he did and not even giving surface level analysis, because I'm not criticizing anybody for covering it the way they do, because, you know, outside of Skip Bayless, outside of people with bad intentions, for the most part, people have really good intentions covering this story. And you give a lot of surface level stuff because all you can say is thoughts and prayers to DeMar Hamlin. Man, this is a, this is a really tough sport to play. I hope that he's Okay you say a lot of the same stuff because you just don't know what to do. And there's no criticism towards people in that. That's fine. But that's not what you got on SportsCenter with SVP last night. I mean, Scott Van Pelt facilitating it the way he did through different people with zero information, it was amazing. And Ryan Clark sitting there in tears because he's able to draw on experiences we're not. So you get to see genuine emotion from someone that also had a real scare because of sickle cell trait playing in Denver, the high altitude, deprived oxygen to his organs, so he had to take out his spleen and his gallbladder and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And so he was in a situation where he's lying in a hospital bed and his teammates are trying to get to him possibly for the last time in their minds. That's scary. Who else can relay that information? Nah, nobody really can. Ryan Clark did last night, and yes, I am going to applaud that. Yes, I'm extremely thankful for that. Lisa Salters put us on the sideline in a highly emotional situation to provide some humanity and perspective for those players, and she did so with tears. I am going to respect that. This becomes a news story, and it's important to inform everybody tuning in to learn more about the situation. I don't know about y'all. Maybe it didn't, but my streaming service, which is always clear, was a little rocky sometimes last night because so many people are tuning in to try to figure out what the hell happened. Is he going to be Okay. And the broadcast they put on last night in an impossible situation, something you cannot be prepared for. Couldn't tell it. Couldn't tell they weren't prepared for it, even though it happened in real time and we know how it did, but I'm going to respect the hell out of that and continue to continue to respect it and give uh, my compliments to everybody involved in that broadcast. It
1: was impressive. Well, that's one thing people don't understand as well. And, you know, as me and my girlfriend were sitting there watching the coverage, um, With Colbert and McFarlane and them, and I'm just thinking to myself in my head as I sit there, I'm like, man, you know, they, for those who have never prepped for a show, prepped to be on TV, there's so much preparation that goes into it. And so you're thinking about so many different things and that would have been, you could have sat there all night and tell them to list scenarios that they may have to deal with during that broadcast. And I guarantee you what happened last night would not have come up. So the fact that, they had to switch gears completely and have to cover a situation like that that was so tragic already that could have gotten more tragic they did do a you know fantastic job from a lot of the covers cuz i watched cnn as well they had yeah. bob costas and they had emmanuel acho and they had dante starward i thought that was a little bit of a questionable have a dante starward <laughs> no, no. on there but uh but no but they did a good job as well on their on their coverage man so so kudos to them right and and big cat dan wrote in how thankful
0: he was for booger mcfarland who was talking actually during when they had to send he was it back very to the studio. shaken up yeah a lot of people oh and, and the player you get it i mean i yeah. we don't get it but they tried their best to explain and i think they did an excellent job whether it was booger mcfarland or whether it was ryan clark all right Really tough transition because of what happened last night on the field, and we're going to continue to provide updates as much as we possibly can. But now we are going to talk about the Carolina Panthers. Their loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which does take them out of playoff contention. And they have a game, one more in the regular season against the New Orleans Saints. They would have had to have won both in order to get to the playoffs, winning the NFC South. But it didn't happen. Offensively, Wes, it was a damn clinic in the first series for Carolina. Uh, they had zero third down attempts in the first drive on their way to scoring a touchdown. So if you look at some of the, the one of the plays that I put there, it was the first play of the game. Sam Darnold deep pass right to DJ Moore. Play action. Sam Darnold, a little bit of outside rush, but steps up in the pocket, good quarterback play, delivers to an open DJ Moore, and then there are no third down attempts, eventually throws what I thought was a really nice pass to Tommy Tremble to put the first score on the board with 11:40. I mean, they picked up positive yards after positive yards, first down, first down, first down. Uh, the 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 clinic, the play calling, I thought people would be a little angry because he wasn't running it a lot. I think Ben McAdoo called, like, what, two runs on that first drive? But Sam Darnold was dealing. Those guys were open that he was throwing to, and that really set the tone that Carolina was going to force Tampa Bay to go and get it if they were going to win, that Carolina was not going to lay down because they had the goat on the other sideline.
1: Well, yeah, you took uh, my play, which is more than okay. Great minds think alike. And then I will go, though, to the second play when he hit Shai Smith yeah. uh, for the 11-yard gain. That was a play that kind of let me know, okay, Sam Darnold is locked in, though, for today's game. And Shaw Smith on that play, that was a big physical run by him, a smaller receiver. It kind of lets you know that he was there, in fact, to contribute to the receiving core that day we haven't we've seen him in spurts here and there he ends up scoring a touchdown later and I felt like that play set the tone for that and also set the tone for the offense that everybody was locked in it was all hands on deck and that they were in rhythm all right so I stole your play I'll give you the opportunity to
0: seal my next play. So I have another one that I would go with, but you have the opportunity now, Wes. Will great minds think alike once again? What's the next play that you have?
1: Well, I'll go to in the third quarter uh, and run a 2.15 mark, first and 20. And Sam Donald got smashed uh, in the pocket and he delivered a 50-50 ball to DJ Moore. He threw it up, but it was still, it wasn't a bad thought because of the fact that he had one-on-one coverage. And so just the fact that he was able to deliver that ball, get hit square in the face like that. I can't remember who hit him. It might have been Vea. I think it was Veya. But, um, you know, that was a pro throw right there. And that was a big play. That was a receiver that rescued his quarterback. And, uh, you know, but like I said, that was an impressive throw by Darnold to take a hit like that and still be able to get it downfield to his playmaker. All right,
0: we do not have the same play here. I'm going to go with a negative one, and it comes on the second drive. So they have a third and one set up on the Carolina 42, and Sam Darnold has an option play. He decides to keep it, and then he gets tackled. Fourth and one, eventually Carolina would decide to punt it. So he makes the right read. I mean, he pulls that football out of the chest of Chuba Hubbard. He was about to get rocked if you would have handed that football off. So you're mm-hmm. probably talking about a fourth and three or something at that point. But Levante David goes unblocked, still just makes a pretty good play on Sam Darnold, tackles him one yard shy of that first down marker. And because they punt, they don't make Tampa Bay pay on the Chris Godwin fumble. Can you imagine if Carolina, two drives in a row, they start off 14 to nothing, And then you already are working with a very nice cushion to start this game. One drive is good enough, for sure. But they had an opportunity after a fumble by Chris Godwin where that came on like a 25-yard reception. You flip it on Tampa, but you don't make them pay. And then you were on fourth and one. I thought they could have been a little more aggressive. I thought Sam Darnold, he did make the right play by pulling that football back. Sure. But Levante David just made a better play defensively, and then they punt it, right? Like, to me, that's one of the decisions I didn't love coming in from steve wilkes i would have liked to have seen more aggression from a play calling standpoint
1: yeah i mean so then when you talk about the uh i have a, a negative play as well in the second quarter uh around the 103 mark where uh tuba hubbard got some work from a db coming in uh, off the edge and so i was just watching that play and i was saying that man it's so difficult that's one of the most difficult blocks when you have a defensive back coming off of the edge. I forget which one it was, but they're just so fast when they're coming in and then they fake you out. You don't know if they're coming or are they? And then he just screamed in off the edge. Hubbard got good initial contact with him, but wasn't able to maintain it. And so, you know, it, the end result was a, a negative play for him. But I was just like, man, I want to do people understand how hard it is to block DBs coming off the well, edge. Well, all right. So, I mean, you were a tackle, so it's not
0: like – I mean, how? it's not like you pulled a lot, I'm guessing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're talking about going – No, you to, pull. It depends on the
1: offense. So,
0: so did you do that at Wake Forest a, a decent amount? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so when you did and you had a matchup against a defensive back, are you licking your chops like, hell yeah, I'm about to send this dude into the ground because he's 150 pounds Smaller than I am, oh. or or were you someone that's like, man, I hope I you know chop my feet and get ready because he's he's gonna try to. Shed oh no this no no,
1: a pull a, a pull. If I pull and I'm going to get a defensive back, that's that's easy money for the most part because they're either gonna try to cut you, yeah, or you know it's gonna end bad for them because they're so much smaller and you and you have the forward momentum going because you're running out there on the edge. So uh, no, not at all. They, if you're pulling, but it's one thing, like I said, when they have the momentum and right. sprinting in there, that's tough. But no, pulling on the DB, that's
0: that's lunch me we, we got a text saying the, that tackle you were talking about from a DB coming in by Tampa Bay, that was Antoine Winfield. That's what I thought, but I wanted
1: to make sure I was right. Um, Final
0: one for me, just a a second. A lot of these players are actually earlier in the game. I think most people kind of resonate the importance with the later plays and the impact they provided. But the Sam Darnold pass to LaVisca Chenault for seven yards, that actually set up the third down touchdown pass to DJ Moore, but here's what's interesting to me. So that set up the third and five touchdown pass to DJ. I wonder if that call to Chenault was because they were going to go for it on a fourth down conversion if they did not get the third down right you might you might think they would because on that drive They went for it on fourth and three a little bit further back, and they got it by throwing to DJ Moore, catching the ball out of bounds, and that extended that drive. And so when you're talking about, you know, two and long, I believe it was like two and 12, two and 11, something like that. Mm -hmm. They throw it to Chenault. He picks up seven, sets up third and five. They take the shot to DJ Moore. And so it's not – I mean – tight coverage. It was a hell of a throw that DJ Moore, I mean, I believe that was on Winfield too, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So it was a hell of a throw from Sam Donald, but let's say you don't connect on that. I wonder if Carolina goes for it on 4th and 5. It's a little bit long, but you're still in Tampa territory. I believe it was at the 24-yard line in Tampa's territory. So if they don't connect on it, maybe very different swing. You go for it, you don't get the fourth and five conversion attempt and then you don't score that touchdown. Uh, that would have been a huge swing in the game, so that's something that I was interested in, guessed in hindsight. Just the seven-yard pickup from LaVisca turns out, I think, to be pretty impactful. Alright, that'll do it. You have one more play offensively? Do you want to move well, on Well, I was to just going to say
1: just towards the end of the game, Sam on just really, in my opinion, just really started to show up as the Sam on that uh, I think that He is for the most part, where around a 137 mark, first and 10, he almost threw an interception. Then the next blast, he had an Aaron pass that got deflected and could have been picked, and it just set off a series of just really horrible throws. And the thing was, the pockets weren't that bad on some of those, and he was just making just some reads that just were head scratches.
0: Yeah, it it certainly deteriorated later on in the game for Sam Darnold. All right, that'll do it for Second Take Tuesday, Offensive Edition at 2 o'clock. We'll take a look at some of the impact plays. on the defensive side, plus we do have Will Kunkel from Queen City News, sports anchor, host of CSL. He'll be joining us at 120 to talk about a lot of different stuff, including his tweet yesterday that Jim Harbaugh would be interested in the Carolina Panthers head coaching job should it be offered to him. So lots to get to here on Wes and Walker, including the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got, Fitty?
2: Well, guys, got some news. Oh! Hornets forward Kelly Oubre Jr. will undergo surgery on a torn ligament in his left hand. Wow. And will miss four to six weeks. Oubre is averaging a career-high 20.2 points. He actually suffered this injury all the way back in the first week of the season. And because he is the tsunami poppy, he was playing through the pain on his shooting hand. The Hornets lose arguably their most consistent player so far of the season for the next month, month and a half, all but erasing any chances this team gets it turned around and becomes a competitive team in the East. How does this impact the direction, the outlook for the rest of this season
0: for the Bucs? So Dennis Smith Jr. finally returns last night, and then you have to sacrifice Kelly Oubre for a four to six week period, and Gordon Hayward leaves that game in the fourth quarter with hamstring soreness. Remember, when LaMelo Ball came back, dennis smith jr was out because that was when he endured his ankle sprain it's it's actually weird at this point the how many injuries the hornets are suffering and then when you get someone back you have to balance the scale on the other side unfortunate for kelly Oubre, charlotte hornets talking about trade deadline it certainly hurts his trade value don't know what's going to happen when kelly comes back if we're talking four to six weeks I mean, I don't know how many games that is. You're talking what three games a week? That's you know 20 games from now. Man, it's going to be brutal for the Charlotte Hornets, continuing to do so as they sit at bottom the Eastern Conference.
1: Yeah, the hits just keep on coming. I don't think it's going to do a ton for the Hornets' bottom line as far as wins and losses. But he is having a great season. He's one of eight players. The average 20 points, five rebounds, and one and a half steals. He's in a class with guys like Luca and Anthony Edwards, Paul George. So, unfortunate for Kelly Oubre uh, that his season is going to take a turn, uh, a detour like this. All right, let's visit the campus corner coming up
0: next. We do have a couple of players in the Carolinas. Exit the transfer portal. Looks like they're going to be returning to their original schools. We'll get to that in just a moment. Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. <laughs> Sitting the campus corner here on Wes and Walker Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ. A reminder: Will Kunkel will be joining us at one twenty to talk about his news. Yesterday, he tweeted out: Jim Harbaugh interested in the Carolina Panther head coaching potential vacancy. That is if. David Tepper does not give this permanent head coaching job to Steve Wilkes, who is just below 500, has a chance to reach 500 in the last game of the regular season. Against the New Orleans Saints, Carolina will start Sam Darnold at quarterback. We'll see if they can get that win, get to 500, and how much damage that will do. For Steve Wilkes as far as him retaining that permanent job. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the Hornets with, with Will Kunkel, hodgepodge of topics to talk with the uh, CSL host about. Now let's talk about some college football. I'm excited. As an alum of Charlotte football, I was devastated. Well, maybe that's a little strong, but I was still pretty sad that Grant DeBose entered the transfer portal because that guy is going to be playing in the NFL, or at least is going to have a shot. But Grant DeBose actually withdraws his name from the transfer portal, is going to return to Charlotte. Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer said, per sources, he's back with the 49ers. He had a combined 1,684 yards and 15 touchdowns the last two seasons. He's one of the players that every catch he makes is a borderline top 10 play and i thought he was going to go power five somewhere i don't know why he's coming back to charlotte but i love it i mean biff Poji has shown an incredible ability to recruit we know that from his high school head coaching days we know that with his michigan assistant coaching days big time news for charlotte right now wes and i know you're excited about what biff Poggi can do with this program
1: i really am and i think we're starting to see some of his recruiting prowess already getting grant Debose back in there we're seeing a few kids that are going back to their schools and i think there's going to be a lot of kids there's so many in the transfer portal a lot of them aren't going to have the outcomes that they think that they will but this is a big get for charlotte bringing back uh their best playmaker and so we'll see if he can continue to build on that definitely uh trying to get a good quarterback into that system as well that's going to be the big step for charlotte is can they find uh, that, that signal call of the future for them? But Bill Pojie, I'm really excited about what he's going to do, and this is a nice step for him uh, starting things off.
0: Fiddy, I know you might be a little disappointed, Grant DuBose, Anytime we brought his name up. You were always talking about how North Carolina and Mag Brown should go after him as a potential receiver for Drake May to throw to.
2: Yeah, and, and so I, I think for him to enter the portal – you would imagine with the numbers he got some pretty legitimate interest yeah he must really believe in what the biff is 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 already doing and what he's <laughs> selling him on going into next season but also like a guy like chris reynolds now that he's staying victor tucker he can leave his mark and maybe one of those you know one of the foundational pieces of the turnaround of charlotte football i think that does appeal to a guy like him but yeah I did have my hopes and dreams of having Drake May sling him the biscuit on the field next weekend. It
0: would have been a lot of fun. Next year. It would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> I'll tell you that, but it'll still be a lot of fun, just as it has been the past couple of years with Grant DeBose sporting the green and gold. Not the only guy that exits from the transfer portal here in the Carolinas. How about Grayson McCall? He decided that he is going to exit the transfer, porter as well, a transfer portal as well. Going to stick around with Coastal Carolina. What do you think about that news?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great get for them. Uh, you know, he's one of their best players in their school's history, so for him to uh, come back and not go somewhere else for perceived greener pastures is always going to be a good thing, especially for a program like Coastal Carolina where they're not going to be going out bringing in Elite 11 quarterbacks and top-notch quarterbacks left and right, so it's great for them to be able to keep him
0: yeah huge get for the Chanticleers as well Fitty what do you think the Chanticleers can do in the group of five level type competition next season
2: I mean at least for the immediate future it keeps them relevant right right? going into next season this will still be a team in a program that many will expect to win nine ten maybe eleven games or so I think for him I just want to I want to see the kids stay healthy because when he's healthy, he's a really, really good quarterback. He's been—he hasn't been healthy the last two years. Um, but yeah, really nice to—I love seeing these kids going back to where they were, and I think it's a really good thing. It's a healthy thing for the portal that you can enter the portal but also still return to where you were trying to leave from.
0: Well, and it's not Devin Leary coming back to NC State. It's not Sam Hartman coming back to Wake Forest. But it is a nice thing for the Carolinas if you are a fan of some of the non-Power 5 schools that bring back some exceptional, talented guys. So, Grant Debose, Grayson McCall, very, very good football players. So, it is nice for some of those schools and uh, the people are fans of here in the Carolinas. So, no Carolina game tonight. North Carolina and Wake Forest will go at it tomorrow. Tomorrow night in the world of college basketball, we do have one ACC matchup. It'll be UVA taking on Pittsburgh. The Panthers are going to be hosting the Cavaliers. Wes, what do you think is going to happen in this game? Do you think Pitt can build off of their recent win against North Carolina, or do you think UVA is just going to be too strong?
1: I think UVA should come out and handle business. They're two and two in their last four, and those two wins came against Albany and Georgia Tech. But they have lost their last two games against ranked opponents, Houston uh, and Miami. But they've got an eight-game winning streak versus Pitt tony bennett needs one win to become uva's all-time winningest men's basketball coach and then Jaden gardner needs four rebounds to become the only active player in division one with two bands worth of points that's 2000 for y'all out there and a (laughs) thousand rebounds so those will be some interesting things to watch tonight i think though uva should be able to handle business against pitt pitt may have a little bit of a letdown uh, after a, a big upset of, against Fiddy's Tar uh, Fitty, Fiddy,
0: we were talking with Flounder during the pre-show and he said... Oh, that's, that's why you didn't come talk to him. Well, yeah. I mean, Flounder is awesome, and so that's why I wanted to talk with him instead of talking with you. But when I was talking to a producer that I might like a little bit more, he was talking about how Carolina teams, when they face the opposition and get beat, usually that said team will go on and lay a complete egg in the next game that they play. Do you expect that from the Panthers playing Virginia tonight? Can both teams lose? Virginia and Pittsburgh. Yeah, because I hate both of them. You want Virginia to lose more? There's no doubt oh, about yeah. it.
2: Oh yeah, I dude, you don't understand how much I hate Tony. Oh I do. Bennett. That's why. I, I mean, that, I've heard that touch of gray looking son of a gun. I can't stand him. I, I I think Jeff Capel's a complete and utter fraud, and I'm gonna celebrate and laugh whenever he gets fired. I don't. I mean, I, I don't think it really like if if Virginia wins, they won a game they should have won. If Pittsburgh wins, Pittsburgh won another game they shouldn't have won.
0: So I want both teams to lose. I know you do. Man, Tony, you're right about touch of grade. Tony Bennett has that thing working, even in person at ACC Media Day. <laughs> you
2: know what really ticked me off? As,
0: Is you that were sta- as you were sitting right beside him, controlling all of your anger with a bunch of different ACC figures. He's the nicest guy. Oh, he makes he. it oh, so great. hard to hate him. Yeah,
2: but great. I hate him because Anthony Gill tackled Bryce Johnson in the game at 2016. And somehow Bryce Johnson got called for a foul. And Tony Bennett had the arrogance to go and complain to the official. You don't know how much I laughed my ass off watching them get upset by UMBC and Spectrum
0: Center. I bet it had to hurt when they did win the championship the following year. Oh, it was rigged. <laughs> yes. The conspiracy theory. We had the plate. We had the soundbite yesterday kind of rolling. Maybe we should have it again for that championship that UVA won after their upset that uh, they experienced when UMBC was able to get that victory. That'll do it for the Campus Corner. We'll come back. It's the 1 o'clock hour of Wes and Walker. We'll lead off with some Charlotte Hornets conversation. Sports Radio 92.7. An fM